Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. This morning, saints of God, we're going to continue. We are on part number six of our I Am declarations. Praise the Lord. Today's message, I Am the way, the truth, and the life. Glory to God. We're going to be reading a very well-known passage of Scripture, just one simple verse found in John chapter 14, verse number 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. If you have it, say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's read it all together. And the word of the Lord says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Praise God. I was hitting it from King James Version. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you, saints of the Most High. You may take your seats this morning. Let's just go back just a little bit. I'm going to go to John chapter 13, and I'm just going to be paraphrasing. Many of us know this story, but this is the, the portion of Scripture that's known as the Last Supper. This is the time when Jesus is preparing his beloved disciples for his departure from earth. We know this was the last Passover that Jesus was going to celebrate with his disciples. And we see in this chapter some really beautiful things where Jesus disrobes and he ties a towel around his waist. And then he goes and grabs a, a basin and he grabs a, a water and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And we hear the story about Peter saying, oh, no, don't wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't, then you have no part of this fellowship. He goes, well, then instead, wash my whole body, my head, everything. Just douse me, Lord. Just pour the whole bucket on my head. And he says, no, no, that which has already been cleansed is cleansed. All I got to do is brush off the stuff off our feet. Because that means even as a child of God, even being covered by the blood of Jesus, we still sometimes walk around in places that we should not be. Amen. And we still start to carry on little residue. Praise God. And we start to go where we shouldn't be. And Jesus says, so let me wash off the residue from your feet. Amen. We see Jesus breaking the bread and sharing it with his disciples. And he reveals that the bread represents his body. We see him do it with the cup, the cup of wine, which represents the new blood of the new covenant. And, and he's telling them that he's no longer going to be with them too much longer. He's got to go. He's going to be going away. And they're wondering, what is he talking about? What's going on? Jesus also expressed to them, it is with fervent desire that I have waited for this moment to sit at this table with my brothers. I've waited. That means from before the time that God said, let there be light, let there be darkness, let the moon separate and the sun. Before that first day, Jesus already was waiting for that meal. 
And he said, I've waited a long time for this moment to tell you what is going on. And as he's sharing everything, he also say, uh, states a fact. He says, this very night, one of you is going to betray me. Can you imagine? And he knew it and still went to the dinner. Praise God. Some of us are like, oh, who's going to be at that party? No, I ain't going. I want to be there. I ain't trying to see nobody right now. Oh, I'm not, I, I guess I'm only talking to a few people here, praise God. What, that one's going to be there? This one, nah. <laughs> I suddenly feel ill. Come on, y'all, praise God. Can I say something? Praise God, this is funny. I might get in trouble for this one. I've had, I've had some calls. I've had some calls like early in the morning, Pastor, <laughs> I can't make it to church today. Oh, praise God. I'll pray for you, sister, brother, whatever. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And wouldn't you know, after church, I'm on Facebook and I see them at Great Adventures. Or I see them in the beach. Or I see them at the party. And I'm saying, oh, Lord Jesus, got no shame, man. Hallelujah. Man, God is amazing. He healed them lickety split right after that phone call. Woo! Hallelujah. The presence of God is going right into the phone. It's amazing. Praise God. Nah, not nobody here. No, no. <laughs> praise God. One among you at this very table is going to betray me. And, and I got to say this because when you think of betrayal, you don't expect someone very close to you to betray you. Betrayal, you never think the person closest to you, you always think that your enemy is going to betray you. But here's the deal. If you have an enemy... You already know this is what the enemy does. The enemy is stank. I'm going to Ebonics on you. The enemy is just going to be funky with you. He's going to be cold. He's going to be dirty with you. So you already expect it. You can't hurt me because I already know you got odds with me. But you never expect betrayal to come from the very one closest to you. And here, Jesus had to endure not only the cross, but betrayal from one of his own. And John, the beloved, is here putting his, his head on Jesus' chest, and he's hearing the heartbeat of the Father. And he's saying, oh, Lord, Lord, is it me? Who is it? Who could possibly hurt you? You've done nothing but good. You are perfect. You're the best thing that's ever happened to my life. Who could possibly harm you? And Peter, close by, ready to throw in some hands, he said, Lord, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Point me to him, Lord. Who is it? Let me throw some hands with my brothers up in here. Who is it? And listen, listen. John 13, Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. 
And now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. What does that mean, pastor? That means even in church, Satan is lurking. Even in church, when people are worshiping God and just being in the presence of the living God, and there's others going, Portals are being opened, and the demons say, ooh, that looks like a good seat right over there. Let me go, let me go over there. Let me go sit down. And those are the ones that start being, he interferes with them right in the house of God. Brother David, hallelujah. All right, all right. I'm, I'm innocent. Praise God. Hallelujah. Even in the great, no, no discipline. Hallelujah. Even in the greatest moment that he had been looking forward to for his whole life, eternity, here Satan is, is coming around looking to steal the show. But Jesus knew exactly what was happening and nothing caught him by surprise. But look at this. In, in 13 verse 21, it says Jesus being troubled in his own spirit. You see, we don't think that Jesus had to go through anything, but he was already troubled knowing what was going on. The devil himself was lurking amongst them in that precious moment. He did not allow the mood to damper. He still went about the Father's will. Praise God. Knowing that he was about to be betrayed. He was about to be accused. He was about to be beaten. He was about to be traded over for 30 pieces of silver. He was about to be flogged. He was about to be whipped. He was going to be condemned to die and even the death of the cross, which is a shameful way to go. He would be mocked by the Roman soldiers. He would be beaten by the Sanhedrin. He would be totally jacked up as they say but he still showed compassion and mercy to his disciples and this is where we are look at this this morning and brother reuben read this earlier listen to the words out of the master's heart knowing what he was about to endure taking part of this beautiful moment and he still loved his disciples and protected them listen he says John 14, 1 through 4, let not your heart, oh, wait a minute, you're not listening to me here. He's troubled in spirit, right? It says, as Jesus' heart was troubled, now he goes and says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. How many know that God can't lie? Praise God. I'm just saying. Just saying. Hallelujah. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then what does that mean, peeps? It says, I will come again and receive you to myself 
that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Hallelujah. But suddenly, verse 5 takes a little bit of a detour. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm going there, Papa. Listen to this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Somebody say, spirit of dumb. Hallelujah. It's mind-boggling to me. It really is sometimes to hear questions like this from people who might have been so close to you for a minimum of three years, and they've been coming to church for years, and they're faithful, and they come to church, and then something like that comes out of their mouth. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Where are we supposed to go? And how do we get there? Bro. I'm sure Jesus must have said, you know, really, bro? For real? He might have said, come on, man, get it together. Praise God. That's what, that would have been me. Praise God. Brother David. Hallelujah. I've been with you three years. You've seen every miracle. You've heard every one of the sermons. Hallelujah. You have seen every demon come out of people. Hallelujah. You have seen the winds and the waves obey my voice. You've seen the blind come to sight. You've seen the lame walk. You've seen the deaf hear. Hallelujah. You've seen mute people speak. You've seen multitudes fed with bread and a fish twice. Hallelujah. You've seen the dead rise out of the tomb. Really, bro? You still don't know where I'm going? You still don't know where I'm heading? And more importantly, you still don't know how to get there? Mm. It got quiet up in here. Woo! Then Jesus said, let me break it down to you again. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And let me take it a little deeper for the people in the back row. Hallelujah. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's say this together. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. Hallelujah. And in the very statement when he said, let not your heart be troubled. In my father's house. In my father's house. Where is his father's house? It's in glory. It's in heaven. In my father's house, there are many mansions. That's where he's headed. And then he goes, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that where I am, there you too may also be. But how am I going to get there? Uh, bro, I am the way, the truth. You see, what, what happens in church 
a lot of times is people are there in body. Oh, hallelujah. Their flesh is in the seat. Their body is in the seat. But their spirit is somewhere else. Hallelujah. They just come and go through the motions of Christianity. But it's beautiful because you know what happens? When, when there's a move of God's spirit and everybody's like, hallelujah, and they're jumping around and they're having a blast in the presence of God, they go, what happened? What's going on? Why is sister jumping? Why is the other one uh, breakdancing? What's going on? What, what, what just happened? What, what happened? How come those crutches are on the floor? How come the brother's jumping up and down? Didn't he come in with those crutches? You know, uh, 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 what, ha what happened? And then those of us in the crowd say, you better ask somebody. Praise God up in here. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. Praise God. Where's the oil? Let me get, let me get some oil. Put some oil on this brother. People of God, it's too late to play church. We got to pay attention. Praise God. How about this? Take some notes. Study. Show thyself approved. How about this? Stay awake. I'll tell you why. Because what's going on is a matter of life and death. Your walk with God is extremely important. It's not a joke. Church is not a social club or, or the raccoon lodge. We don't wear little raccoon hats. And we don't have a certain handshake that we do. It's not that type of party. This is not a place where you can hook up. This is not a place where you could be a part of a clique. This is where we learn how to do life in the presence of God according to the word of the living God. Where we learn how to raise our sons and daughters. Where we learn how to be a better father, husband, pastor, preacher. Booyah! is a, a place where you could learn how to be a better wife, sister, friend. Azar! Booyah, boom shakalaka. It's a place where we all start to grow and mature and express to God our love and devotion to him. And we do it as a family. So when you see your brother coming into church, even if he might be looking a little downcast, you say, brother, what's the matter? Sister, what's the matter? Praise God. Oh, I'm just stop here. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. And we start praying over each other. We're supposed to stand in the gap for each other. We're supposed to share each other's burden. There's benefits to being part of the body of Christ. I'll take it even further. Membership has its privileges. Like Capital One, right? I'm going to take that line. Because there are people that want the platform, but they're not a member of anything. But they want the mic. Not in this place. 
Hallelujah. Oh, what, what church are you a part of? Oh, well, I don't go to church. So I don't believe you have to be a part of church. Eh, disqualified. Conversation over. What's the name of your pastor? Oh, uh, I don't really have a pastor. I have a lot of pastors. I listen to this one. I listen to that. I go online. He comes in at 10 o'clock in the morning on YouTube. This one, eh, disqualified. This is a matter of life and death, and we can't take it haphazardly anymore. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Praise God. Praise God. My first point. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, all right, baby. I'm sorry. Praise God. Number one. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I want you to hear this because sometimes we hear this and we, we kind of forget the value, the depth, the scope of this statement. Understand that Jesus never said, I will show you the way. Jesus never said, here is the way. Jesus never said, Longitude, boop, 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 latitude, boop, 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 put this in your GPS and that's, no, no, he never said that. He said, I am the way. There's no mistaking, no ambiguity in that statement. Jesus is the only way to get into heaven is only through him. It's only with him. He is the way. I'm about to say something. It's going to ruffle some feathers in this place. You ready? We can't simply follow his lifestyle and expect to get in. I'm going to let it sink in for a minute. And some of y'all think that's error. That statement alone is error, but I'm going to prove it that it's not error. You ready for this? Jesus was baptized. You could be baptized and still miss heaven. Jesus loved all people. You too can love all people and still be lost. Jesus was a man of prayer. You could be a person of prayer and still miss heaven. Jesus preached the gospel. Preachers in the place. Preachers online. Listen, you could be a preacher of the gospel and still miss heaven. Mm-mm-mm. All right, all right. I'm getting into some Kool-Aid here. But you know why? Because it's not just about doing the things that Jesus did. Jesus told Nicodemus, it came up in our prayer this morning, he said, you must be born again. John 3, 3, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. This is a, a nice little catchphrase, but it's so deep and it's so powerful. It says, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Don't let that one go over your head. Hallelujah. If you are born of flesh 
and you are born of spirit, you only die one death. Hallelujah. That means a physical death. You shed the tent. But your spirit, which is absent from the body, goes directly into the glory, into the paradise of God. That means to be out of the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But if you're only born once, that means born of the flesh, and you have never submitted your flesh to the living spirit of God, that means your spirit is D-A-E, dead, dead, dead. And that means you're going to die twice because you're going to die a physical death, and then you're going to die a spiritual death, which is an eternity away from the presence of God. That's the book too, my brother. That's right. You see, salvation comes from Christ alone. In Christ alone. There's nobody else. Nobody else made a way. Buddha didn't die for you. Muhammad didn't die for you. Nobody. Hire Krishna. Haley Salis. All these people. No one's going to die for you. Here's some verses of scripture for the note takers in the house. John 3.16. We know for whomsoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. Ephesians 2, 8. For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, in the midst of all the chaos that I'm going through, I've never been more at peace in my whole life. I sleep so good, praise God. My wife sleeps even better. I don't have that gift. Like, she's amazing. Let me give you an example. You understand what I'm talking about. I get so jealous. Martha said, good night, honey. Out like a light, like that, and I and I'm and I'm staring at the ceiling like, yo, what about me? What about me? And she's like, I got a clear conscience. I sleep like a baby because I got the joy of the Lord, the peace of the spirit. I'm like, I, I got those things too, but sometimes I gotta pop a melatonin or something. Help me out, man. Help a brother out. My brain is like thinking about all the stuff I gotta do tomorrow, and all. I can't sleep for that quick. I just, I wish I had that gift. But I tell you, once I do hit the sleep mode, I'm good to go. There could be an earthquake outside. I'm sleep like a baby. Word. Amen. Can I get back to the message? Hallelujah. Let me give you, let me give you a little illustration. There's an old legend of a swan and a crane. A beautiful swan alighted by the banks of the water in which a crane was waddling about and seeking snails. A few moments, the crane viewed the swan in stupid wonder and then inquired, Where do you come from? I came from heaven, replied the swan. And where is heaven? asked the crane. Heaven, said the swan. Heaven! Have you never heard of heaven? And the beautiful bird went on to describe the grandeur of the eternal city. She told about the streets of gold and the gates and the walls made of precious stones, of the river of life, pure as crystal, 
upon whose banks is the tree whose leaves shall be for the healing of the nations. In eloquent terms, the swan sought to describe the host who lived in the other world, but without arousing the slightest interest on the part of the crane. Finally, the crane asked, are there any snails there? Snails? Repeated the swan. No, of course there's no snails there. Then the crane said, as it continued to search along the slimy blanks of the banks of the pool, you can have your heaven. I want the snails. This fable has a deep truth underlying it. How many people to whom God has granted the advantages of a Christian home has turned its back upon it in search for snails? How many a man will sacrifice his wife, his family, his all for the snails of sin? How many a girl have deliberately turned from the love of parents and home to learn too late that heaven has been forfeited for snails? I've heard people in my life say the most darndest things like, I don't want to go to heaven. I'd rather go to hell where all my friends are going to be. I remember my brother, longtime Marine. We called him a leatherneck, Gunny. But he had a T-shirt once that he gave me, and I wore it proudly for years until I really understood what it meant. And it was this real cool bulldog Marine with the sergeant hat and all that. And it says, Marines don't die. They just go to hell and regroup. And I think it said oorah or something on the back of the shirt. And I wore it proudly for years as a kid. Listen, hell is not a cool place. That's why I'm a Christian. I don't like the heat. I can't stand being hot. You could ask my wife. Air conditioning is running from May all the way to October every year. I don't care how much I got to pay. Straight up. And I got a fan by my bed too. How about that? Hell is a hot place. Stop, drop, and roll does not work in hell. There are two things that are going to surprise us when we all get to heaven. Those who are there and those who are not there. Listen to this. A little girl was taking an evening walk with her father. Wonderingly, she looked up at the stars and exclaimed, Oh, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side be like? Imagine that, that wisdom from a little child. You look around and you could see what looks to be beautiful, even paradise here on earth, but it pales in comparison to what God has prepared for those that love him. Our world is corrupt it is fallen. It is in an unnatural state. Imagine the splendors of heaven and how beautiful and breathtaking, awe-inspiring it's going to be. Second point, Jesus is truth. I'm going to say this. He is absolute truth, especially about what he says about heaven. How about this? He was there, praise God. He knows all about heaven. There are so many eras in our world, in our society, even from preachers about heaven. There are some religious groups, I'm going to call it out by name, Jehovah Witnesses, 
the Jehovah Witnesses think that heaven is here on earth. Jehovah Witnesses think that there's only 144,000 who would actually be allowed to go into heaven. And the rest of them are going to just stay here on earth below as their form of heaven. That is a misunderstanding of scripture. And because people don't read the word and they're not led by the spirit, they go, oh, must be. So meanwhile, they got to knock on doors in the hopes of heaven. And think about it. For every soul, supposedly, that they win, they reduce their chances of getting into that 144,000 spot. I mean, does that make any sense to anybody? In order for me to get to heaven, I've got to knock on doors and win people for Jehovah Witness group. But the more people I win, the less chance I have of making it. It's an oxymoron. Just saying. Others think that heaven is just a state of mind. But listen, here's some truths from truth itself about heaven. We read it. John 14, 2. Heaven is a place. It is a real place. There's no such place. There's no such place as purgatory. It does not exist. It's not scriptural. No such thing of purgatory where you go for a place of suffering and torment until you do enough time. Listen, if you, didn't, if you haven't received Christ, you're not making it. It's that simple. You don't go to a, a holding cell. And, and then it's funny because then the people here on earth, they pay money, mass cards, and they pay money, money, money to buy your way out of purgatory. Figure that out. That's just like the Heaven's Gate cult. They had a roll of $10 and quarters in their pocket when they committed suicide and drank the Kool-Aid and they had the purple blankets with their Nike sneakers on and a roll of quarters. Since when does the Haley Comet accept U.S. currency? I mean, I, I think like this. Brainwashed. Oh, you need your roll of quarters. Jesus said heaven is a place, a prepared place. Heaven is a place where Christians go at the time of their departure from this world. Praise God. Heaven is a place where Jesus himself is going to take us when he comes for us. Praise God. Listen to what he told the thief on the cross. He said in Luke 23, 43, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Praise God. Look at Revelations 2, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow. I, I said this earlier, but Paul said this in his words, and I'm trying to find a picture online of paradise, and to me, that looks like paradise to me. I'd be pretty cool if I had a vacation at that little spot right there. I'd have a cappuccino and sit there in that little pond and just chill with some coconut custard pie on the side, of course. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 2.9, but as it is written, 
eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. So that means with even this beautiful picture, and even if we added some, some, some waterfalls and, and some beautiful birds and beautiful animals or I don't know what else, beautiful flowers, there's so many beautiful things in that picture. Imagine if we added all that, it still doesn't even come close. Our brain, our imagination, it can't comprehend the beauty, the glory, the majesty you imagine if those little flowers are saying, Jesus, we love you. The, the flowers are singing praises unto God. Like we can't even imagine the water clapping their hands and singing, shouting praises all over heaven. You hear the glory. Everything that's there is praising God. Oh, my Lord. Like it's just amazing. But our imagination doesn't even come close. And it's a wonder that so many people don't want to go there. Truth is under attack today. More than ever. I'm going to call absolute versus relative truth. Truth seems to be relative to feelings or emotions or points of view, especially worldviews. You've ever heard people say, I'm living in my truth. You've heard that statement, right? But just because you're living in your truth doesn't make it true. People say, I feel like a cat today. They call themselves furries and they lick their, their, their hands at, like a cat. They release themselves in litter boxes like a cat. This is a true phenomenon. This is a whole group of people that call themselves furries, and they, and they have different meows. When I'm happy, I go, meow. When I'm sad, I go, meow. And when I'm angry, I go, meow. It's just crazy, the brain. You think I'm kidding. Go look it up. It's there. It's a real thing. That's demonic. It's a mental illness. I feel like a cat. doesn't make you a cat. There's a grown man in London who feels like a baby. And he wears diapers like a baby. And he drinks a bottle like a baby. And he has a, a maid that changes his pamper, bro. What he needs is this. He needs... Psh, psh, psh. That take the baby right out of you. Hallelujah. The word of God said mischief is in the heart of every child but the rod of correction somebody along the way spared the rod and spoiled the child and now you got a grown-up man being a baby with a diaper he needs a swat he needs a grown-up whooping well uh, well 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 <laughs> you see now she could do it but i can't do it what's up with that Pull out the belt on home, eh? Well, well. All right, let's go deeper. A woman will say she feels like a man and takes hormones to look like a man, sound like a man, have hair, face, facial hair on her face to look like a man. She may dress like a man, but guess what? She's not a man. 
You find that out when you compete against a man in sports. Got quiet up in here, well, and a man may feel like a woman. He may dress like a woman, wear makeup like a woman, speak like a woman, act like a woman, but he's still a man. Furthermore, he could never be pregnant because he doesn't have a uterus. There are obscene, misappropriated truths out there in our day seeking acceptance. And we've got lawmakers, demonic, demon-possessed lawmakers trying to legislate these eras and make it even worse in the current day that we live. And it's not just a thing of our day. Back in the old times, there was still this type of thing coming out. President Lincoln once had a stubborn disputer heckling him during a speech. Afterwards, President Lincoln shared some words of truth. And the man still seemed unconvinced. So Lincoln asked him, well, let's see, how many legs does a cow have? Four, of course, came the reply disgustedly. That's right, agreed Lincoln. Now suppose you call the cow's tail a leg. How many legs would the cow now have? Well, five, of course, was the confident reply. He says, now that's where you're wrong, said Lincoln. Just by calling a cow's tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Somebody say, that's the truth. Hallelujah. Saints of God, we got to stop acquiescing to the world's ills. We can't call a mental disorder order we can't call a a, a mental crisis or mental uh, a wrong a right even if you got to stand your own ground you got to be able to stand up and say i'm sorry but i'm not going to call you what you want me to call you it's just not going to happen i'm of sound mind Oh, you want to fire me? Okay, no problem. Fire me. I'll see you in court. This is where we are. You see, Jesus is truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Psalm 119, 160, the entirety of your Word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. John 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Listen, that gives an entirely new, different meaning on truth. Amen? Jesus is truth he is god's word and he is truth you can trust truth truth stands on its own it doesn't need a defense attorney i found this and this fascinating 76 times in the bible jesus himself says i tell you the truth i would love my wife to go and research that number praise god 76 times i tell you the truth you know why because he can't tell you a lie he is truth. There's a sign on a barber shop that says, In God we trust, all others 
pay cash. Which means they didn't accept checks, money orders, credit cards, or debit cards. It was a cash-only haircutting place. But the funny thing is, the death of Jesus Christ is the only per permanent payment that God will ever accept. The blood of Jesus. That's the exchange. That's the cost. That's the payment for your entry into glory. Here's another one. There's a man that had a couple of three friends. And he asked them what the meaning of truth was. One friend who was a psychologist says, truth is what someone feels it to be. Another friend who was an accountant said, truth is what one needs it to be. The remaining friend, who happened to be a lawyer, said, truth is what you can make it to be. Today, so many people talk about truth and make it the concept of their own truth or my truth, making it relative and completely determined by someone's point of view. Let me tell you something about relative truth. Relative truth keeps you bound. Absolute truth, real truth, makes you free. The same thing with God. People make versions of God, versions of God that they agree to serve. I'll serve a God that allows me to live this lifestyle. The God I serve allows thievery, allows me to cheat on my taxes. The God I serve doesn't judge me if I don't do this and doesn't judge me if I don't do that. The God I serve, he's a good God. He calls me good. I could have sex with my partner anytime I want, and all I got to do is just say I love you, and he forgives me, and it's all over. You understand? They make a version for themselves of God and live serving that God. The reality is that's not the God of Scripture. And that's why God will say to people that claim, but I did this in your name. I did that in your name. He says, hey, depart from me because I never even knew you, you worker of iniquity, you who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. There's a quote by a guy named Todd Wagner. He says, truth sounds a lot like hate to those who hate truth. Isn't that good? Mark Twain, he's quoted as saying, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Judge Judy says that. My final point. It's not my closing. Jesus is the life. Life on earth that continues in heaven. He says, I am the life. Hallelujah. John 1.4, in him was life. We, we've spoke about this a few messages ago. He says, I am the bread of life. In John 6.35, John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. Saints of God, life is precious to God. Life should also be precious to every single one of us here in this room today. To be alive each and every day and know what you need to know, hallelujah, is, is the truth of Jesus Christ. You're going to see 
him one day. You're going to experience him now. You're going to live now as a man, as a woman, in the absolute truth of God. You know, when you start to understand who God is, it's an adventure. Life is an adventure. To see God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, to give you his breath and, and breathe it into your lungs is an amazing miracle in and of itself. If I were to ask everybody in this room, how many of you love life? I'm sure every, probably every hand in this room will go up. We all love to live. But even us, we're exposed to really gruesome acts of violence and murder on Hollywood movies. We're exposed to murder and violence on video games. We're exposed to murder and violence even on social media platforms. It seems that every single day we're getting more and more desensitized to the loss of life. Matter of fact, we even cheer about it. How many when you're watching a movie and the bad guy finally gets it? I'm serious. Don't we all love to see the bad guy get it? Ooh, you're going to get it. And we don't want just a, a little passive death. We want a gruesome death. We want his arms ripped off. We want his bodies, his legs, limbs pulled off. We want to see blood. Kill him dead. Kill him. Get him. Beat him. Isn't it true? We always root for the good guys in the movies, but the terrorists, we want them to die. But guess what? God died for the terrorist. God died for the bad guy. God's heart is not like our heart. God doesn't want to see anybody die. God doesn't want to see any limbs ripped off of a body. God doesn't want to see any blood poured out. God's will is that no one would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. Do you know that God made you in his image? You look like him. You are his son and his daughter. You are his most beloved. You are the apple of his eye. He wants to spend forever and ever with you. And I'm sure it hurts his heart when we say, kill him, kill him. God loves the murderer. God loves the homosexual. God loves the, the thief. God loves the cheat. God loves the liar. It's the enemy who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But later on, the Lord says, I have come to give you life. And that more abundantly. We have such a crazy, deranged group of people who are trying to prevent life. We know of people, we've even heard, and some of us might have been to funerals of people who have taken their own life by way of suicide. We have doctors now and lawmakers that are trying to do what's called assisted suicide, with this, which is euthanasia. And they claim Let's give them a humane way to end life. Do you know that in, in Canada, they now have a, a end-of-life laws where they can basically give you the date of your death and they could kill you humanely. Then there are those who prevent life before it even starts. Abortion. 
so many that claim it's a woman's body. It's her choice. Well, respectfully, I disagree because it's not her body alone. There's another little precious life inside of her body that she is incubating. That little body is a gift from God. And oftentimes, two adults want to punish, give a capital punishment crime for an innocent life. God is the author of life. He alone has the right to give or take away. Every single moment of life, every single breath that you draw, every single experience is God granting you the most precious gift of life and the prospect of eternal life with him forever and ever. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he was saying, come to me. He is the only way to God. He is the only truth that exists, and he gives you life and promises that life forever. I, I want to give you some stats here. This is a, a lifespan. Some scientists calculated a typical lifespan of 70 years old. A person that lives 70 years, he sleeps 23 years of that life. He goes to work 16 years of that life. He watches eight years of TV. He eats for six years. He travels for six years. He rests and takes leisure for 4.5 years. He's sick for four years out of his life. He dresses himself for two years out of the life. And listen to this. Religion is 0.05% of his life. And that totals 70 years. Sad. A guy named Richard Needham, he says, the seven ages of a man, spills, drills, thrills, bills, Ills, pills, and wills. Hallelujah. Some people get truly frustrated with God. I think I got to go a little further. Praise God. Yeah, here we go. I, I kind of missed it. I apologize. But let's do this. Some of us, and there are some people really frustrated. There are those who live their lives like a hamster. A hamster looks outside of his glass cage and sees freedom. He decides to run for it, and he gets on a wheel, and he runs on what that wheel is, is doing for his freedom. He tries to gain his freedom. And after running and running and running, after a while he realizes that he hasn't gotten anywhere. So what does he do? He tries to run even faster, and he finds himself in the same spot. Again and again, he tries to no avail same as when he had first started on the wheel. Many of us are like this little hamster, trying to break a habit for years. And 10 years later, we're still in the same spot when we first started. So many of us make New Year's resolutions. We're going to quit bad habits. We're going to try to have a better marriage. We're going to try to get better at life. We're going to live a healthier lifestyle. We're going to jog. We're going to eat differently. We're going to live differently. And a year later, we find ourselves in the very same spot than when we started. Why does this happen? Because we're using the wrong method. Being trapped, we could never get ourselves out of the hamster wheel. 
The only way the hamster could be set free is for the owner who is bigger than the hamster to reach in and pull the hamster out of the wheel and put the hamster on a firm foundation. And saints of God, we need somebody bigger than ourselves to reach inside of our situation and pull us off of the hamster wheel. Trying to do it all on your own human effort is never going to be good enough. Remember when Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus is the bread of life, the light. He is the good shepherd. He is the door. He is the resurrection and the life. He is all of those things. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And we need to come to faith in him today and be sure of salvation. So many of us think we can get in because of our good looks. We can get in because of our great talents. We can get in because who we know. The reality is, if you are not in Christ, there is no other way. Acts 4.12, it says, There is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among by, by which men uh, shall be saved. There is no other way. So I challenge you all today to reckon with yourselves and make a decision, a good, firm, solid decision, and say, for me to live is Christ and to die is to gain. I choose to serve the Lord who is the way, the truth, and the life. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.